0: Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Have you ever noticed that when we celebrate the birth of Jesus, the whole world stops and celebrates with us? I guess they like presents or something. And whenever we stop once a year to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross and rose from the dead three days, the rest of the world realize it's a special day. But when we come to a day called Pentecost, there are many, whether they are Christian believers or non-Christians, have no idea what it is and what it means. And yet it's one of the most significant days For the Christian faith, as a matter of fact, it's our birthday. It's when God started, well, in a little while after that, it was called the way. It's the birth of the Christian faith. Now, when we go to look at the book of Acts, the first chapter of Acts tells us of Jesus meeting with the apostles uh, on the Mount of Olives and telling them that they were to be witnesses to all the world. And he also told them that they were to go to Jerusalem and wait until they receive power from on high. Then Jesus ascends out of sight, literally into the heavens. It'd be like me right now, I'm just going, whoop, and just gone like Superman. Where do you think they got the idea of Superman? I'm just saying, hey, in the second chapter of the book of Acts, that's where we read about the birth of the church. And that's where all of those charismatics or crazy or the Pentecostals, that's where we all came from. But many times we don't really quite understand the theology behind Pentecost. What does it mean? Does it have any impact on you and on me even today? And why is it that so many people look down on that part of the theology that's in the New Testament versus all the other stuff, and they kind of just do this, let's just ignore that part. Haven't you ever noticed that whenever an organization doesn't want you to look at something, it should raise your spidey senses? I want to know what they don't want me to know. How come we're not that way in the church? Maybe we should not live by lies. That we should go for the full gospel. Not so that we could be twisted and weird, but that we could be fully aware of all that God has for us. That we could be more impactful for the gospel and for the lost it's not about an arrogance it's about a humility so let's look at Acts chapter 2 let's go to Acts chapter 2 a lot of text there but shouldn't we read it on the day of Pentecost all the believers were meeting together in one place now I, I just need to kind of stop there there's a, a movement going on in the body of Christ throughout all the states and really throughout the world that, hey, I can go on and watch Zoom or, hey, I, and, and watch church, or, hey, I can go do this with watching anybody I want on, on YouTube and all these different things because technology can allow me to have, you know, a half a dozen different churches or pastors that I could be connected with. And yet, right here, we find something really, really interesting. On its birthday, of the church all the believers were meeting together in one place that's important god bless you for coming to this place suddenly there was a sound from river rock church no is that what it says what's it say heaven this is not man-made This is not a man-conceived idea. This is not somebody we call crazy charismatics. No, no, no. This is God-breathed from heaven. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. That same place. That sanctuary. Then what looked like flames of tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. Now, you got to understand this. We're talking well over 2,000 years ago. All of a sudden, they're, they're having an experience they've never had before. How do you describe an experience that is so unique, so original, that nobody in the room has anything to be able to say, let me compare it to this? They don't know what words to use. And the best they can do is say, man, it looks like fire. Have you ever looked at fire flames? Don't they look like tongues that are just... So they came up with tongues of fire. They didn't know how to describe what they were experiencing. They used limited vocabulary to describe an experience they had never encountered. And their parents and their grandparents, nobody had experienced this. And they used what they could to describe the anointing, the power, the flooding of the Holy Spirit. And it was upon each and every one of them, so bright, so real, so strong. It looked like flames, tongues of fire. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. Wow. Can I get a ticket? I want to go. And began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running. It was so loud that people in the community heard this big noise. Have you ever been in a situation where there was a big crash outside and everybody comes outside? What was that? Right? There was a big noise. And everybody ran out into the streets and the byways and in the alleys, like, What's going on? Let's go to help. Something's not right. What am I trying to say? This happened. And their behavior is a witness that something happened. They didn't stay in their houses. They didn't stay at their businesses. This was so massive. There was a physical response to this event. They heard it. And they weren't even worshiping. Wow. I'll finish the rest of the dance later, Gary, so... They were completely amazed. Yes. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all Galilee, from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians and Medes and Alamites, people from Mesopotamia and Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and the province of Asia, Phrygia. Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them saying, Yeah, they're just drunk. That's all. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Young, Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and clouds of smoke, the sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before the great and glorious day of the Lord arise. But everyone, yes, who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I mean, as you continue to read, you find out that three thousand Jewish people gave their hearts over to Judaism. I mean to Jesus. They didn't forfeit their Judaism. They just recognized that Jesus was the Messiah. And they went with that. It was clear to them. It's interesting that some people who were reached the conclusion, that they reached the conclusion that the apostles were drunk. Think about that. There was so much excitement. There was so much joy on their faces that it just couldn't be ignored. You can't be that happy. You can't be that joyful unless you've drank a few. And Peter says, stop it. That joy, that happiness has nothing to do with alcohol. This is the fulfillment of the prophecy that came from Joel. You know, there's these three guys. They were up in the gold country. And... They hit it. They, they, they struck a gold vein, a huge one. And they got all excited and they looked at each other and said, listen, we got to be quiet. I know we need more equipment, but let's go. You get this. You get that. I'll get this. And as soon as we can, let's get back up here. Let's make our claim. Let's get this. But don't let anybody know, because if we don't, if we do, they're going to, they're going to they're gonna find us. So they all go, and they all go get their own individual pieces of equipment. They got their claim laid out, all out. That's all done. They got their legal done. And all of a sudden, as they're all working their way back up to the mountain, here comes a crowd of people, massive crowd of people. They're going, what are you doing? They go, wherever you go, we go. Why? Because you know where the gold is. What do you mean? Did you tell him? I didn't tell him. Did you tell him? I didn't tell him. How do you know? What are you talking about? It's all over your faces. Why? How would you look if you struck the lottery? You're going to go, life is horrible. Or you're going to be going, I'm going to get my wheelbarrow. (laughs) They couldn't hide it. They couldn't hide. Where's the pick? Where's the axe? Where's the shovel? Let me get my pen. We're going to be rich. And they just keep smiling everywhere. They were so giddy. And everybody knew. That's what it was on Pentecost. The joy of the Lord. The richness of His presence. It was so overwhelming. Other people saw it. They knew exactly Something was different. This isn't normal. And all they could come up with is they got to be drunk. So this particular Jewish holiday, it's one of the feasts. It's called Pentecost. It reveals that the first generation of Christians discovered joy unspeakable. They were so full of joy and happiness that they just stood out. So the question is, do we stand out, church? When people look at you and they find out that you're a Christian, does it stand out? Did they go, I want what you got. There's something special in your life. So, when the New Testament church was born on Pentecost, it was incredible. It was an actual historical event. So, let me share with you three things that we can learn from Pentecost. One is the New Testament church was born on Pentecost by God, this was not some modern day church theology. That's twisted. On the day it happened, 2,000 years ago, or under 2,000 years ago, it was a God moment. And still real and viable today. Did you know the church is immortal? Because it was given life by God? They have tried to destroy the church throughout the centuries and millennia and have been unsuccessful. It continues to grow and grow. It's immortal. Even God had promise that even the gates of hell would not prevail against His church. Why? Because God gave life to the church. So Jesus came into the world. He was conceived by God In Mary, and after his death, after his burial and resurrection, the church is formed. And the day the church becomes or comes into reality is on the day of Pentecost, a Jewish holiday. Sometimes we act as if we think that Simon Peter had a meeting, a special meeting in the upper chamber with all the other disciples and said, I desire to be the very first pope. And we're going to call this the Catholic religion. And all of you guys can all be saints with me. And we can create this incredible organization. They didn't do that. They didn't do that. They were told by Jesus as he was ascending, go into Jerusalem and just wait. That was all. There was no plan. They show up into the, an up, a room that was up, up in the building. It's called the upper room. They were all sitting around, probably just enjoying fellowship, eating. And all of a sudden, a wind from heaven. That word in the Greek is ruha. It's the same word that God used in the Garden of Eden when he blew into Adam's mouth his life. He breathed his life into him, and he became alive. You see, we look at Old Testament and New Testament and think that they're not connected. I wish they hadn't put an old and a new. It's all the same book. These elements are connected. So when God gave life to man, God breathed life to his church. Adam was a design, a thought. It was from the gut. It was from the soul. It was from the heart of God and the same for his church. We didn't come up with the concept of church and neither did your grandparents and neither did their grandparents. God came up with the idea of his church. And he owns it because he paid the price of the cross for his church. Did you hear that word there in Acts chapter 2? On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. God started the church. God started the church. God created it. The church has never been the most popular institution in the world. And it may never, ever be. Because the church goes counter to the culture, to the pop culture of the day. You see, God wants the church to stand for truth to be unshakable in our presentation the gospel, because the church belongs to God. It is His church. So we follow His rules, His ways, His timing. So here's another thing that we learned from Pentecost. Number two, the, church, the church's mission is to communicate the love of God and to share the gospel. We're here to love God, love others, And share the gospel to a dying people. The theme of Pentecost, believe it or not, really is communication. It is really a shame that the whole idea of speaking in tongues has become such a controversial issue in the Christian world. When you read about Pentecost, the truth that comes to surface is that God gave the gift of tongues to reverse the curse of what God had done in the Tower of Babel. I shared this with you guys before so there they are at the tower of babel they're creating this tower which is really called a ziggurat and this particular design it's like a cone that goes up and up into the heavens god to stop them from doing what they were doing because of rebellious hearts and rebellion in within them to be able to do whatever they wanted against god to stop them he changed all of their ability to communicate in the same language he gave them all different languages that's the birth of new languages. Well, all of a sudden, this group of people couldn't talk to this group of people. And this group couldn't talk to this group of people. So what do you think happened after a little bit of while? That group of people said, we better take off and go find our way of making a living because we're not going to survive because those people don't think like we do and don't, they don't speak like we do. And they did the same thing and they did the same thing and they did the same thing. Before you know it, everybody spread apart. And that ziggurat didn't get built. But all of a sudden, God loved unity then, now, and forevermore. And to be able to unite his family, he gives them all the same language. As they're sitting in the upper room and the wind comes in and this tongues of fire thing, and all of a sudden they're able to speak in such a way that everybody can understand them in their own native language. And they all hear the wonders of God. They're all speaking the language of the divine. And the power of it all. The power of it all. It wasn't about selfishness, it was about the wonders of God. Did you hear what I said? Let's not separate the old and the new. Can we make sure we understand it's all together? All of a sudden, that's why God had to do that. Why? He had cursed it over here, but because of Jesus and the blood and now the Holy Spirit, He had blessed it. And it was new. And the church was born. And the mission has never changed. And the moment you become a Christian... The moment I become a Christian, God commissions us to share the simple message of Jesus with others. You're to share your story. This is who I was, Marvin, before I got saved, and this is what I struggled with, and this is when I encountered Jesus, and this is how I am today. Do you know you don't have to be a Bible scholar to do that? You don't even need to know one verse. All you need to know is, Know Jesus, met Jesus, now my life with Jesus. And nobody can say, that's not right, that's not true. Sorry, it's my story. And I'm sticking to it. That's why our our church's mission statement is to help people take their next step closer to Jesus together. Here's number three. The goal of the church is to establish a fellowship, a family of believers. The goal of the church is to establish a fellowship, a family of believers. That's unique. Let me take us back to the, the feasts. They're a beautiful foreshadow, pictures of God's redemptive work through His Son. Now, the Feast of Pentecost was one of the Jewish feasts, days, only they didn't call it Pentecost. Uh, that, that's the Greek word that was interpreted into the New Testament. They translated it into the Greek until they got the word Pentecost, but that's not what it was originally in the Hebrew or in the Jewish faith. They called it the Feast of Harvest or the Feast of Weeks. Now, how many have heard Feast of Weeks? What does that mean? Well, Pentecost is referring to the number 50 because it was 50 days after this previous feast. And so what they would do is basically say, you take a week, how many days in a week? Seven. And you multiply that by weeks. So you get seven times seven, you get 49. So you're into the 50th week then. So they call it the Feast of Weeks. That way you would know, how, how do I figure out when Pentecost is? Well, it just goes one, seven times seven, or seven weeks, or a week of weeks. That's why they call it the Feast of Weeks. Now, on Pentecost, the high priest was to take two loaves of bread made out of wheat, because the Feast of Harvest was the harvest of the wheat, and that would either happen in mid to late June or mid to late May into early June. So why two loaves of bread? And this is interesting and it's really important. So the wheat bread was made and formed from the newly harvest harvest wheat, obviously there in Leviticus 23. So the question is, why the two loaves? And the answer is found in Ephesians chapter 2. You can follow along as I read. Starting at verse 11. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. That's really revelatory. Just that right there, if you really pay attention to it. So Paul, who's Jewish, he's saying, you Gentiles, you used to be on the outside. You weren't a part of us. Okay? You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews. He's he's revealing to everybody there is some serious racism. We only think racism is, you know, what we have in America. No, 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 no. If you were not part of the Jewish people, they did not like you. They despised you. By the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. Ouch. In those days, they were living apart from Christ, who... Apart from Christ, you were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in the world without God and without hope, but now you have been united with Jesus, with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to Him through the blood of Christ. For Christ Himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people, one loaf of bread, one loaf of bread, one worship. In his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups that means the gentiles did not become jews and the jews did not become gentiles it means they became new we call it christian you catch this god was already preparing a way that even here in the old testament all the way back there in leviticus he was preparing hey these two loaves what you have no idea what this means but I'm bringing the world together, John three sixteen. for God so loved only the Jews. Loved the world, Gentile and Jew alike. And I praise God for that. Verse 16, together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross and our hostility toward each other was put to death. Praise God. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from Him and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same. Say it with me. Because of what Christ has done for us. Two loaves represent one for the Jew and one for the Gentile. Two loaves, but one offering. So we find that God's plan was that the Jew and the Gentile would worship the Lord as one body. It is important to remember the deep division that existed between the Jew and the Gentile. The Jews despise the Gentiles as being outside the covenant of God. And the Gentiles despise the Jews for their spiritual arrogance and their claim to being the only people that God loved. Something significant happened on Pentecost. A new body was formed. The body called the church. Made up no longer simply of this faith or of that faith, but of the Christian faith. In the Jerusalem temple, the God-fearing Gentiles were allowed to worship in the court. Of the Gentiles. So they would have like certain chambers. So, like, the Gentiles could come here, and this is where they do all their willing and dealing. This is where Jesus got upset and overturned the money tables because they were there allowed to do transactions. They could do the buying and selling of stuff. But this was a holy place. But if they were to dare, dare try to enter into the sanctuary, they could not only be caught and arrested, but they would be executed. For daring to go into that place. But we'll let you go into this place so we can get your money. But this place over here, no, 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 you're not allowed. I don't want our church to be like that. Well, we want you to do this, and you're okay to be a part of the church. You can do this. This is fine over here. But if you really want to be in the club, uh-uh, we won't allow you because you got something in your past. Because you don't measure up. Jesus' blood broke that. The Holy Spirit came to bust that open. Everybody's welcome. There's a chair at the table for everyone. His blood cleans my past, cleans yours. Makes me new. In Ephesians two fourteen, Paul tells us that Christ has made peace between the two groups by breaking down the barrier, that dividing wall. It's no more just an analogy. I think there was something significant when the veil got torn. God was separating all barriers. Even the barrier that kept us away from the presence of God. As it ripped. Did you know that it ripped from the top of the veil down to the bottom? What does that mean? Well, if you were to ever try to rip a piece of cloth, from the point where you're ripping, then it goes down. In this case, it's not from the bottom up where it would be man ripping it. It was from the top down, meaning God ripped it. God said, come on in. Enter into my presence. My presence won't hurt you anymore. Welcome. By destroying the the wall, that barrier that separated these two groups, he did not make the Jew or Gentile or the Gentile a Jew, but by creating a new man out of the two and reconciling both, Jew and Gentile into himself, he created and he birthed the church. How did he do this? The blood of Jesus that paid for the penalty of sin of mankind, not just a group. We are here, we're to be a different people, we're to be a different culture. The church is to be a united people. I know our nation is divided. I know it's the hand of the enemy trying to cause us to get into fractions and to be into that group and to be into this group and try that group. And you don't have that right color on your tie because it's not red. It's not blue. It's not white, whatever it is. And what's really going on? The enemy. See, divided. Divided the house falls, each and every one of them. Doesn't mean we don't stand up for righteousness. Doesn't mean we tolerate those things that God doesn't tolerate. Just means we proceed first in love. Love conquers all. The world changed after Pentecost because of the New Testament church it was born on that day we learned three things guys the new testament church was born on pentecost by god not by man not by peter Two, the church's mission is to communicate the love of god and to share the gospel you're to be kind and love people even when they're not isn't that easy to do And three, the goal of the church is to establish a fellowship, a family of believers. Let me close with this, guys. If you're lonely or tired or you feel like you've been taken advantage of life, you've been betrayed, falsely accused, and you're not sure about what your next step should be, then know that the disciples experience those same emotions that you do. They were feeling all of that during those 50 days. Remember how scared they were on Saturday after Jesus was executed on the cross? And the good news is that they also experienced the joy of Pentecost that forever changed them. They became focused. They became confident. They had purpose. They had deep joy. They had contentment because they had been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, what power. And again, if you're lonely, you're tired, you feel taken advantage of, betrayed, you're not sure what your next step is, the same Holy Spirit that was there for them is there for you. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? Father, I just pray, no matter where we're at in our our life or in this room, if we connect with disfilling the struggle of life, the struggle of our past, I just pray, Lord, on this Pentecost Sunday, you would fall fresh on your people. Fill them with the Holy Spirit. Allow them to speak the language of the divine. The language of God. Oh God, fill them. Baptize us in your presence. Set the captives free, Lord. Heal them. Holy Spirit, heal them all. Oh God, set us free from our regrets and our dreads. Set us free. Put joy and hope in our hearts. Give us a passion to share the love of God and the gospel with other people. Oh God, touch your people. Touch your people. Fill them. Fill them. Fill. In Jesus' holy name, that they would be bold, they would have confidence, they would have joy unmeasurable. People would think that they were drunk because they're just too happy. Oh, Jesus, touch them, touch them. In Jesus' holy name, amen. And amen. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.